Southeast High. Hello, folks. It's Wildcat Minute, where we talk about High School Musical 2, one minute at a time. I'm Condra. And I am Tyler. And today we're talking about Minute 95 of High School Musical 2. Minute 95 starts out with Ryan clarifying that at least he's had fun and ends with Mrs. Hoffenpfeffer uh, silencing her sock puppet. Oh, boy. A lot to talk about in this minute, Oh, Contra. boy, indeed. So we'll, f- <laughs> we'll finish with the Wildcats reuniting. Yeah, we're in the, we're in the home stretch of the movie, it feels like. And, and we've been there with Troy kind of doing his invincible round of apologizing, although we still have yet to find out what's going on between him and Gabriella. But yes, we're in this reconciliation moment between Troy and the Wildcats and Ryan's there too. Troy has just apologized to Ryan for some reason. He didn't do anything to Ryan directly. Yeah, maybe like he's apologizing because he replaced him in their musical intentions. Like he overshot him in Humuhumu and then Ryan got cut completely from that act and... I'm sorry that I had I led to you having a falling out with your sister, which led which led to you getting friends, be, be, becoming friends with my friends, and becoming more of your own person, and not relying on your sister to do everything, and being happier. <laughs> and during this whole scene, we've also got the sort of like piano music of of television reconciliation mm-hmm. going. <laughs> It's just like the very relaxing. It's not. It's not Full House because Full House would have the synth going. This is just regular piano, but it's it's comforting. It's that it's that TV trope of like, yeah. When everyone's making up, you have calming piano going. Yeah, I also like how Chad kind of interrupts and is like, "Dude, you got to see this guy play baseball." <laughs> it's like that's and what then, Chad is focused on. And then Troy's like. I look forward to it because he doesn't know what to say. Yeah, so that I look forward to it. And like Troy's face when we do see it in this, it's like got an earnestness to it, but there's no smile. He's very bewildered. He's like, oh, I I guess this is going okay, but I still want to make sure I'm saying the right thing. (laughs) Yeah, it's this weird blend of like, he's glad it's all happening and he like really like he's trying so hard that he can't be happy i don't (laughs) i think he i think he's just really yeah i think earnest is the right way of what you said before it's just you know he's he's here he's like he's putting his heart out on the line for all these people and it's not like a fun and games time it's like uh he's feeling vulnerable Mm -hmm. but it kind of hurts, like, when he's like, I can't wait to see. Like, he's not, there's no excitement in it. It's just, like, he's just saying it, which the earnestness is, like, not a bad thing, but also it's a little, like, hmm. Well, here's something. It's it's different because he's not putting on the Troy Bolton charm. Yeah. Like, he's not putting on the, like, the the smirk and the, the smart comebacks and the... It's not smarm, but you know the he's got kind of. The blue eyes are working this, in a different way. He's got this charm. Yeah, he's not doing the like the facade charm. He's doing like the I'm a real person now, and we're all we're all here, and we're all just people trying to connect in this world. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 
it's interesting because Troy, after like hitting that emotional arc and now that he's trying to fix everything, he's like toned himself down. He's not so over <laughs> the top. Yeah, which I think is a good thing. We'll see if that carries over into the next movie or if it just is like a weird acting choice they're making in this scene. Who knows? But it makes sense from like a directing standpoint, Kenny telling Zach to be like, okay, during this scene, you're not the you're not the same Troy Bolton that you were before. You're still figuring out these relationships. You're still nervous. You're still trying to make a good impression on people without doing that old song and dance that you would have done before. Yeah, there's an emotional. He's like a baby figuring out things. Yeah. Uh, speaking of babies. Yeah, Ryan then has a nice line that he's like, "I don't want to see my sister crash and burn." At least I don't think I do. <laughs> yeah. He also says something about like all these people out here. Like there's an idea of the show must go on. Although the idea of Sharpay crashing and burning and then the kind of joke or like, or maybe I do want her to. It's interesting because I don't know. Why is the whole show reliant on Sharpay? She's like the grand finale. Right now they're just yeah. they're just listening to tap dancing and who knows what else. Yeah, and I'm I'm sorry that I just keep coming back to this thing of like, why doesn't Sharpay just sing a song by herself? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure she could sing any song, but that is neither here nor there. Yeah, why and why can't the show just crash and burn? Like, it's. A talent show for a country club. Like, it's not like the stakes are... It's it's not like it's the opening night of a Broadway theater. What, well, what, or what if the stakes were, you know what? We, wa- we thought we wanted to go up there and put on a show in front of a bunch of people, but that's actually not even what we need as, as a group of wildcats and as a group of friends. You know, we had fun rehearsing and... Maybe we'll just do a, another song in the kitchen, like we like we love to do, like where where we belong. But not, that not not the message that I think I would want. But an idea that like they could just do something by themselves in someone's backyard or in the woods, or mm-hmm. like they don't need to impress other people. They can live on their own terms. Definitely, and that like, would be a really <laughs> nice message for this, but. It's also a high school musical movie and we have to have some big performances in it. I'm just saying it would be cool if like the end song was just like a bunch of people like just in a, in like a backyard, just like not in like a campfire circle, but like they could still do like a dance routine, but it could, it could just, it, it'd be cool if it was like at night. <laughs> I don't know why. Just like a night, like jam, like, and everyone's like singing and dancing and jamming and there's like tiki torches and. And they're all just having a good time, like, outside as friends. That would be really different and reminds me of a scene in Greece too, which I don't know if you remember that scene. They have, like, a luau. I have no luau. memory of Greece too. Yeah, they have, a, like, a little luau in Greece too, and make questionable decisions there as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's Greece. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be a Greece movie if they weren't making questionable decisions. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah, Ryan pulls kind of turns this thing around and says, you know what? I think you should sing with Sharpay. Yeah, which is a big it surprise. It doesn't make sense. 
Unless Ryan has an ulterior motive that we're not seeing, like, there's a follow-up to that statement, because the scene directly cuts to Sharpay crying. Yeah, and I mean, I suppose that there is, like, a sort of reason and justification for why Troy ends up agreeing to suggest to Sharpay that they continue to sing, but that's in the next minute. Yeah. And again, as per what I was just saying, I don't necessarily agree that it's necessary but as you said it's a high school musical movie we need the big song and dance numbers to end it for some reason you gotta have a you gotta have a climax yeah it's it's fun i mean when we were doing breaking free and i and we're all in this together like it's fun it pumps you up it makes you feel good at the end of the movie and i mean musicals end typically on a on a pretty high note unless you're sondheim then you're just stabbing someone's heart <laughs> Or slitting their throat. Or slitting their throat. <laughs> yeah. Th- th- there's something to be said about the quiet, subdued ending that th- sub- subverts the expectation of the big song and dance ending. Yeah. No, definitely. But I think for a TV movie geared for kids, it would not make sense to not have... But what if this was The Empire Strikes Back? Like... They gotta know they're making another one after this. <laughs> like, what if it? What if this one was the one that had like a weird, sad ending? <laughs> that would go against every decom ever. <laughs> I just say that you put some narrative continuity between movies. I think that would be delightful. Yeah, I mean, they must have known that. HSM three was coming out because it came out in two thousand eight, so it was like truly back to back to back. Yeah. Do they do that with the because there's three Descendants movies? Do they do they have like I don't cliffhangers think, or not? Really. Are they all just one offs? Basically, they're not one offs. I've only seen one and two, so I can't speak to three. But you definitely had to have seen one to see two. Well, yes and no. Like you get the emotional character growth because it's like. They're all villain. They're all the children of villains, and they're going to like the good guy school. And yeah. are they bad? Are they not bad? And then in the second one, they're trying to be good, but other children of bad guys are like, "Hey, be bad." <laughs> There's a lot of questioning from like good guy parent, like the good guys, like the OGs, like Adam and and Bell. Um, to be like, hey, maybe maybe they're not good still. So there's like that kind of stuff. I don't know when Descendants 2 came out. I don't know if those were back to back. It's okay. I think I think what I'm realizing now- There was and, actually and what a two-year were... gap between all of them. So it was 2015, 2017, and 2019. What you were saying before, like I know I was arguing against it because for like artistic merit standpoints, but at the end of the day- you're right, because the medium is the message, and this is a TV movie. So the way it is being delivered and the way it is being consumed defines how we should understand it artistically. And because of that, it's a TV, like, because it's a TV movie, it has to have those certain artistic expectations that they can't divert from, which when you're someone who, you know, is used to film and, like, theatrically released movies then those expectations have to be 
resettled when you're examining something that's literally meant for a different purpose. And that and that's something that makes the sort of new era of streaming confusing mm-hmm. because it's hard to analyze whether you're supposed to look at something through the expectations of TV movie or theatrical film. Yeah, and especially like the long form series, like mi- mini series, like the Star Wars series or um, the Marvel ones where they're this weird blend of long form storytelling, but still under the premise, you're still in the mindset of it being a movie. Yeah. Those have like the opposite where it's like they're, they, they should be judged as television, but they're being judged as movies. Yeah. It's very weird. Uh, Or maybe that's the same effect. (laughs) Nevertheless. Yeah. We, and then it'll be interesting because with high school musical three, it was released theatrically, Mm -hmm. but my guess is, we'll still have to hold it to the standards of TV other than to the fact that I know the budget allowed them to do like more songs and more with the songs. Yeah. Um, it like, also I don't just think like, that, is like a crisper quality. I don't think like the premise of the storytelling and the, that side of things will be markedly different. It's still a movie for kids at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, I go back and forth on, you know, whether we should alter our expectations for that idea of a movie for kids. I mean, when it's it's tricky because you have things like your Pixar's and your um some of your Disney's and that have these really emotional and very deep sentiments to them like in up having sadness and joy have to like the um, realization that um, in inside out or it up. <laughs> I meant inside out, but I'm also thinking up too. There's sadness and joy in up too. Yeah, no, well, these blends (laughs) that like you can be sad, but also find moments of joy and that emotions are complicated and you're allowed to feel more than one thing and not be defined in a particular way. I think in general, everyone knows when a movie is good, but sometimes there are movies that are bad that are made for kids that people aren't willing to admit are bad because they don't want to hurt their kids' feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Or they do admit they're bad, but then they just are like, well, it's just for kids, so it doesn't matter at the end of the day. When, like, we've talked about what this movie, what these movies do is teach kids about tropes and basic movie language. Like you were just saying, for this minute, we have the sad piano music that is standard for your reconciliation phase. Like, if nothing, like, the story may not be complicated because it's also teaching other things about, like, consuming media and how there are certain cultural expectations in that. Yeah, and I think it's okay that we don't expect, like, advanced filmmaking techniques or experimental um, storytelling techniques from a high school musical movie. I think it would be interesting if the the plot challenged the audience a little bit more because I don't think it does. As I was saying kind of before, it would be interesting if we had some sort of third act twist here. What kind of third act twist would you like to see here? Like I said before, I think it would be interesting if Sharpay did go on stage herself and put on a killer performance and that kind of empowered Sharpay in a way that, you know, actually empowers women. <laughs> and... Yeah. And then the Wildcats would have to go like, whoa. And 
And maybe Sharpay could even say, like, you, you know what? You guys should do your show because I want to be challenged creatively like I was. And then then they get to go on, too. Like, it would be interesting if the movie presented you with, like, a conflict there. Yeah. What I wanted to say, the other thing I wanted to say before, cause, because I, too, totally agree that you're right. Like, in terms of the TV movie for kids, teaching them just, like, how to understand the emotional beats of art and storytelling, totally right. I do think, and and I don't think that you're presenting the counter opinion here, but I just a reminder that there are some of the things that this movie is implicitly teaching on more of like a sociological level that that we should be we should continue to push back on. Yes, definitely. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine for it to be facile in nature in terms of its storytelling techniques, but it would be nice if it was a little bit more present in the way it presented, you know, relationships between teenagers and mm-hmm. racism or, or socioeconomic you know, status. Yeah. Stuff like that, which is a standard that, you know, it's hard to hold a movie to that's already been made because it's not like they're go- they can change it, but mm-hmm. <laughs> at least say like these things could be better. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> what have we been talking about? We've been talking about <laughs> the, the limitations that this movie has in its inherent quality or its inherent like its structural essence the limitations of it but we still have um this little cut scene that we have to get to so do you want to you want to go back to the dressing room yeah the so Sharpay's crying in front of a mirror Fulton's looming yeah we can see Fulton in the background of the mirror which is you know an interesting shot effect anytime there's mirrors on film it's like how do you get that angle yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Sharpay is saying, my life is ruined. I, I, I'm i a good person. I never lie, Only except when, when I have to. <laughs> and I, I, I buy my parents expensive gifts. With their credit cards? Used, using their credit cards. It's it's this thing where Sharpay, like, tries to convince herself and then provides the counter arguments against herself which we've talked about before, are funny from a writing standpoint, but don't make sense for the character to actually feel. Unless it's part of this uh, pretend emotional growth that Sharpay goes through at the end of each movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, the the price of a gift is the most important thing when you're buying someone a gift. Yeah, not the sentiment behind it, the emotional connection, the <laughs> gratification of the recipient. Actually, there's a, a comedian whose podcast I listen to, Soren Bowie, who does who does this bit with his kid. He like when his birthday or his his wife's birthday is coming up, he he'll sit his kid down and he'll say, "Okay, it's very important that you get me a gift that is costly. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter." It doesn't matter what it is, as long as it puts a burden on yourself to get it for me. <laughs> Which um, is it's it's a joke, but there are, there are people that not wouldn't outward, outwardly say that, but do in in an underlying way feel that, and it it is kind of interesting to put that out into the world that like some people just care about the price tag. They wouldn't say it, but they do. Yeah, definitely. No matter how thoughtful the gift is and how how, <laughs> how meaningful. And then she she doesn't lie except when she has to. Like that that one seemed like really obviously false. Yeah. Sharpay breaking down her own psyche here. If Fulton was the one saying that instead, 
that would be really funny and feel more realistic. Uh, if it was Sharpay saying, I never lie, and then Fulton going, except when you do. Or or, or if, if Fulton was reassuring her and she was providing the counter-arguments about herself. Yeah. Some, yeah, something <laughs> where there's that dynamic between the two of them, so it's not just her being both the angel and the devil on her shoulder. Like, <laughs> I would want to see Ashley Tisdale pull that off, though. I think she could do it. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, the angel and the devil is one of the all-time great TV and movie tropes. Yeah, particularly <laughs> Emperor's New Groove. And then it happens in the 2010 Muppets yes. with Animal, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I can't, yeah, honestly, it's not like it happens that often. No, it's a pretty <laughs> special thing. But everyone knows what it means. But it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's my new goal in life is to write a script that has an angel and a devil on the shoulder scene. Okay. <laughs> or maybe just, I, I'm sure there's a comedy sketch based around that somewhere out there, but. You know, something, some meta-analysis of it would be would be fun, too. Yeah. But then Fulton stops her and is like, enough, basically. Mrs. Hoffenpfeffer <laughs> and her sock puppets are stinking up the premises. You need to go out there. A, a good line delivery. It's um, so good. It is, well, it is widely known that the longer a last name is, the funnier it is, which... Is sometimes used for racism, but Hoffenpfeffer has a has a European bent to it, so it's not specifically racist this time. Yeah, the other thing too is just like the F sounding, like yeah, last names with Fs or F sounds in them. Um, this yeah. one is all Fs according to the closed captioning, <laughs> but it's also like supposed to be funny in a way. Yeah, funny names, you know, names are funny. Except when it's racist. Except yeah. it's part then, of someone's identity and don't make fun of names. Yeah. And the sock puppet and the stinking up, the print, like that's funny. <laughs> Self-aware. Yeah. Also, I think sock puppets being something that's silly and ridiculous yeah. is better than <laughs> tap dancing. Like if we'd have had multiple sock puppets, that would have been hilarious because like where tap has inherent athleticism and like coordination. Yeah. Sock before puppets. we were like trying to justify whether tap dance was supposed to be taken seriously or not. And here it's like, well, no, obviously we're not taking this seriously at all. It's a sock puppet. Yeah. Although yeah. sock puppets can be used to elevate an art. You have your Mr. Rogers and your, your Jim Henson's that, did utilize sock puppets or worked with people that utilize sock puppets to create art. But this one is very much implied that there is no artistry here. Uh, not to mention that Bo Burnham sock puppet from, from inside, which I didn't actually watch, but you know, anyway, yes. So we get the, we get the jump cut to Mrs. Hoffenpfeffer on stage doing her sock puppet routine and it's, you know, just her using a sort of loud, shrill voice and then the sock puppet having an even louder and even shriller voice. Um, and she's not a ventriloquist. So, like, her mouth is moving for both people that are talking. And it is very tasteless and artless. And, and the puppet's not, not even decorated. A joke. Yeah, there's no joke. There's no decoration on the sock puppet. 
this answers one of the questions you had earlier, though, Tyler, in that uh, Mrs. Hoffenpfeffer is an older person just looking to show off. Yeah. It's not and, just a child. <laughs> yeah, it's not just a talent show for children. Yeah, because she's, she's doing, like, the bit that she's doing is as if the sock puppet is going to win the Star Dazzle Award. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, the sock puppet is going to, like, conquer Sharpay. Um, so it's like, yeah, why does this old woman want to win the, the Star Dazzle Award? Like, let a kid win it. Spite. I mean, I get Sharpay, but... Maybe there's some spite, like Sharpay dissed her <laughs> bathing suit this season. And she's like, you know what? I'm coming in hot with my sock puppet this year. I'm tired of Sharpay. Has she done the sock puppet before? And, like, people have gotten a kick out of it? Like, does she have, like, this false sense of how funny she is? Or is it just, like... She has no awareness at all. We don't get the clues for Mrs. Hoffenpfeffer the way we did for Tina. Is it Tina and her tippity-tappeting toes? Yeah. So I'm not sure, but it would be funny if just like out of the blue this year, like Mrs. Hoffenpfeffer has always been this nice, sweet, like kindly older lady, and she just enjoys going to the country club and spending time with her friends and like playing bridge and stuff. And Sharpay just this year roasted her. So she's like, you know what? I'm done with this. And just like went on stage with the sock puppet. <laughs> Sharpay sends Mrs. Hoffenpfeffer on her villain arc. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah. That's I don't know. I yeah. feel like we're 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 rounding down. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I that's all I have for this. We're we're gonna get some more potential emotional growth from Sharpay. So Will Sharpay sing? Will Troy sing with her? We'll have to wait another another two days to find out. <laughs> or the audience will, at least. But until then, you can follow us on the Twitter at Amateur Nerds. Or me personally at Tyler Booty, T-Y-L-E-R-B-O-U-D-Y. You can send us an email to AmateurNerdsPresent at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know who your favorite sock puppeteer is. Oh, also in High School Musical related news, season three of High School Musical, the musical, the series is being released right now. Wow. One day we'll acknowledge it. Yep. (laughs) Special thanks to our artist, Theo Golden, at TGoldenArt on Instagram. And our musician, Joe Winslow, whom you can find at JoeWinslowMusic.com. I have been Condra. And I've been Tyler. We'll see you next time to find out who the heck's going to sing a song. You can bet on it.